There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your main man, Chris Mechanic, and we have got an awesome episode in store for you today. Uh, Our guest today has over two decades of experience leading sales and marketing teams at some of the biggest, most innovative companies including Microsoft, F5, SAP, Conquer, uh, over 13 years at Microsoft, in fact, which, uh, which says yeah. a lot. He's executive professor and head of industry insights at Texas A&M University and currently serving as chief marketing officer at Everbridge, uh, which is a large, fast-growing, publicly traded uh, SaaS in the, in the critical response uh, management space. So I'm super duper excited to learn more. But ladies and gentlemen, say hello to David Alexander. How are you, David? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Really excited to be here with you and your your audience today. I know you're a busy guy. Um, <laughs> we were talking about back to back, you know, back to back culture, but I love that you're you seem to be like grateful about it. You know, some people are like, oh, got back to backs, back to backs. But you're like, back to backs, let's go. Come on. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta learn to thrive in the culture for sure. I love that. So, David, you know that we like to lead with value. You have been at this for a long time. I'm sure you have hundreds of secrets that you lean on time and time again. But share with everybody one of your best kept secrets to marketing success. Yeah, absolutely. And and thanks again for having me, Chris. I think, you know, one of those things, and I've learned this specifically with 20 years plus, as you mentioned, in attack leading big projects, helping to drive innovation and leading teams through difficult periods of growth transi- transition and, uh, and transformation. It's really having this, uh, having the team um, really have faith in the middle, enabling them to get through this midpoint of projects that is such a difficult time, such a difficult hurdle uh, for organizations to get through. It ultimately yeah. is uh, the the thing that determines that that ability to have faith in the middle. The thing that t- determines your success or your inability to get through those those trying times and ultimately reach your goals. Yeah, and you know, I mean, this applies, I think, in projects large and small, right? When you talk about something as large as as a digital transformation, as as expensive as a digital transformation, and as as many things that go into a digital transformation. I feel like the larger the project, the more difficult it is to have faith in the middle. Ab- um, absolutely, because the time can take much longer and the midpoint can can take so much longer to get through. It can be um, so much trickier and so much com- more complex too, depending on the large, you know, how large that that project may be. And I, you know, I started talking about this and, and spent a lot of time with it as I was driving these transformations and really thought about, you know, how do you enable teams to have confidence in the middle? How do you give them trust? And, and I started to lean on this concept of, of faith in the middle because I think it's not just about trust, but it's just about that deeper belief in the team and enabling them and giving them the tools that they need to just get through that journey uh, together. 
it really has become in a lot of ways the glue that you know keeps everyone motivated aligned you know on the same page especially when the going gets tough and you're going to hit storms uh, along the way. And this is the component that really allows you to, uh, to get through and, and to persevere. Some of the, um, some of the keys that I, you know, I've talked a lot about and helping leaders navigate the middle and ultimately move through and build that faith that they need. You know, the first is really just admitting, and this is the hardest thing for leaders is admitting, admitting that you don't have all the answers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this can really help to build that sense of collective ownership and giving the team that freedom that they need to get creative with the solutions on how, you know, they get through uh, that midpoint. Uh, the second and probably the most important is uh, is really just to maintain calmness. We're all going to be thrown, um, you know, a lot of un uncertainty uh through the through the journey a lot of challenges are going to come in um along the way as well you can have headwinds and tailwinds but really remaining calm uh is a great way especially from a leadership perspective to um you know to project onto your team and it frankly can be contagious uh as well throughout the organization when the leader's calm when the leader's patient the rest of the organization is typically mirroring. Uh, I like that. Arms. Calmness can be contagious. That's a good one. Absolutely. And what you else? Know, so that's two. Is there? A third? Yeah, a couple. A couple other ones. You know, obviously celebrating the small wins. Uh, you know, and not you know enabling people to be fearful of of failure. But you know, more than that, it's it's looking around the corner and proactively spotting potential issues that are going to impact your business and. Uh, this one's really important as the leader again, or as a group of leaders to be able to constantly look around because that drives the faith in the team that, you know, you're headed in the right direction. You're constantly keeping uh, track of, of what's coming next and help ultimately kind of steering the ship uh, wisely, uh, if you think about it that way, um, to get yourself to the goal. And then the last thing, you know, and this is probably a really difficult one for a lot of leaders as well, is empowering the team. And uh, you, you can't do it all on your own. You've got to go and enable a team of leaders at all levels, you know, not just your direct leadership team, but all the way through the organization, empower them to make decisions, give yeah. them the tools and teach them how to make informed decisions and celebrate when they make the right decisions encourage them and coach them when they make the wrong decisions uh, along the way you know and, no. and again these these require uh, a lot of a lot of growth from the leader a lot of these capabilities don't happen overnight uh, these are things you have to practice through the entirety of a career uh, but these are really the things that start to build faith amongst the team and help you to get get through that midpoint which can be very challenging yeah I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking just now, you were kind of making some metaphors to uh, ships and like a voyage. Like you mentioned, there's going to be storms along the way. But if you think about it, everybody's confident as you're, as you're setting off, right? You can still see the shore behind you. People are jazzed up. They're confident. And everybody's confident on the other side when you can see you know, the shore ahead of you and you're like, Ahoy, there's land. <laughs> yeah. But everybody is scared shitless in the middle. Excuse my French, right? Because right? yeah. think right. about it. And you're in the middle of the ocean. All you see around you 
Absolutely. is just you see nothing except open water and you don't even you're not even really that confident which direction you're that's going right. or which direction you should be going and that's so right. that's the ship metaphor but when you take it uh back to business you got to enable your team and i'm still thinking about the ship like right with your crew you got to yeah. enable your crew yeah. they have to have the tools uh because that's like the glue that helps everybody get motivated that's right. You have to admit as the captain of the ship that you don't have all the answers, right? So many, so many times there, there's a palpable pressure to feel like, oh my goodness, we, you know, I'm the leader. I need to have all the answers. Yeah. But how about, how about no? How about admit that you don't have all the answers and generate this sense of collective ownership? And Absolutely. Then, yeah. And maintain calmness, right? I'm just kind of summarizing your five things, but you maintain that calmness. Calmness is contagious, right? As is the opposite of calm. Panicking is <laughs> contagious right. yes, too, exactly. right? That's the key. So you'd rather have a calm crew, a calm and collected crew than a panicky and you know jittery crew. And then celebrate, you know, celebrate the small wins to, so that people aren't scared of failing. Look around the corner. And that applies to, I mean, this is such a good ship analogy, but you look around the corner so that your team knows, Hey, even if this leader doesn't have all the answers, at least they're paying attention to, you know, the horizon and what's around the corner. And then ultimately you empower the team. I feel like almost like the first four sort of lead to empowering the team in a way. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, it's, you're, you're right. It is a, it is a ship metaphor. Uh, I think in one of the articles I wrote on my LinkedIn, I actually have a, a picture of a ship that my son drew on the title of one of those articles. Um, yeah. this was when it was several years ago when he drew it, but, um, you know, I, I think that that first part and you, you mentioned it, you know, and it's so easy when you start the vision and you set that vision for people to be excited. I think what's important there too, though, is the clarity of that communication of the vision, right? Because you don't want just that excited energy. You want people to be really clear on where we're trying to go, you know, that from the two uh, is, is a really important thing, um, you know, as you, as you set off on, on that journey, because you want people to know what their role is as well. And yeah. you want them to be really clear on what outcomes they're contributing to that, because that's how you maintain their you know, their energy, uh, throughout, you know, people want to be tied to, they want to be engaged in, um, a role that's impactful. Uh, you know, yeah. that's the one thing I've found over and over again is people want to have an impact. And so if you can tie their roles to those, that vision and that journey, clearly communicate where we're trying to go. It, it makes all the difference as you get to those hard parts as well. Yeah. So then, um, so you must have learned this somewhere, right? I want to talk about Everbridge uh, in a little while, but uh, you know, I don't. I mean, you've only been there about a year, I know, so it probably wasn't there. But uh, like between F five, between Microsoft, where would where did you learn this? Like, tell us about maybe one of your your most formative experiences coming up. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's a career's worth of of learnings um, and a career's worth of great mentors, um, careers worth of great coaches and being surrounded by, you know, incredible people, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I have spent most of my career here in tech, largely in sales and marketing roles, a little bit of, a little bit of both, spent some time in sales, um, 
building sales teams at Microsoft, but also, you know, many, many years in marketing and companies like Microsoft and SAP Concur and F5 and now, now, uh, Everbridge. And, um, you know, really the, uh, the important pieces there is identifying those mentors that you want to model and shape your own growth around. You know, we all have those leaders that we look up to. We all have those mentors that we look up to. And trying to do modeling across those uh, is, is really important. Even more so important probably is those that you have worked for or with that you don't want to be <laughs> like. And, yeah. uh, and you say, I don't, I don't want to make that mistake. I know how that made me feel as the partner, as the team member, as the employee, whatever it was. And I don't want to put my people or those people around me in, uh, in those situations. And so being able to model that um, really is is really critical to uh, to the future, and uh, probably just pick these things up over time. But you know, now it's it's coaching them and living them and breathing them with with the teams that I'm responsible for, doing the same with the students in my class at Texas A and M, and and trying to model that behavior too, and in in your life with your family and and you know friends and and others that you're you're around every day, and so kind of constantly have to be on top of, you know, how am I, how am I showing up? And, uh, am I being, we're putting these really fortunate positions to lead people. You can have a real impact on their lives or careers. And so you just have to ask yourself, how am I showing up for, for them every day, for the business every day, for my, for my, ultimately for my customers every day as well. Yeah. Now, one more thing on digital transformation and we'll get to, uh, Everbridge, but yeah. Uh, you just basically delivered a masterclass in digital transformation. I think anybody that is about to embark on a digital transformation could just take those five tips and that yeah. could just be their playbook, right? But what advice do you have for somebody that's in the middle right now that might be panicking, you know, that hasn't really done a good job necessarily empowering their team with the tools that hasn't really done, you know, like after listening, they're now kind of kicking themselves like, damn it, I wish I would have done that. But like now I'm out here yeah. in the middle of the ocean. Like what the, do I do now? Yeah. Do you have any advice for that person? Yeah, absolutely. And some of the mantras that I, you know, preach to my team every time I get in front of them. And so um, is, you know, and I try, you know, it's the leader. I try to over communicate. That's my role right now is I'm because we are kind of moving ourselves into this middle phase here at Everbridge based on the transformation work that I'm, I'm driving with my team and across the company. And it's just over communicating. You know, we do a bi-weekly CMO, you know, podcast or video that I send out to the team and it gets harder as you're in a geographically dispersed organization where people are working from home and in multiple time zones around the world. And when you have large teams that you're trying to communicate with, it's, it's very easy for people to feel on an island or alienated. So you got to over communicate, over communicate. Continue to let them know where you are on that journey, um, and remind them of this 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 you know path that you're that you're on. But it's over communication. Uh, the mantras that I use is every day counts, right? Number one, I always say that every day counts. We're not all of a sudden going to walk in and you know fireworks are going to shoot off the building and we've we've hit our goal. You know this this thing gets built over time, right? And yeah. every step forward is a step forward. Every day that we're better, 
you know, that, that we were the day before is, is us moving ourselves further along this journey. So every day, every day counts. The second is around, um, you know, collaboration. And this is the time too, when you got to go in, you got to remove silos across the organization. So whether that is, um, you know, make organizational adjustments to reduce those silos, or if you can, you know, get the team to work more clearly and, um, uh, intuitively, um, with, um, you know, on purpose, they're actually, you know, intending to do this with intent, uh, to work collaboratively across the lines that have been built probably over time, um, in the organization. That's really key. So joint planning, joint celebrations of, of, um, success, you know, these are, these are the, the keys. And then the last one is just, you're starting to, you know, when you get to this midpoint, you've probably gathered a lot of data and insights along the way. And so, um, using those data, that data and those insights to help you make really good decisions, um, that will help you from making missteps along your way, along your journey and, um, is really, really important. And uh, everyone can start to own these data, these insights, these data, these components of data that are, you know, circulating through the organization. And, uh, that ultimately becomes the thing that empowers them to make uh, decisions as well. And so. You know, always lead with data, you know, always lead with data as the leader, always coach with data as well. These are, these are very important. And then the last thing, um, that I think is just really important is always be available. And, um, as I mentioned, and this is where it gets really difficult because, you know, as the leader, I'm leading teams that are, you know, across the globe and, you know, not everyone's sitting here on the West coast, you know, like I am today. And, um, and so, but I've got to be accessible to people. I've got to give them time, whether that's for one-on-one to, you know, solve problems, to help them with, you know, any number of things that they may be dealing with. And, uh, and that's probably the most powerful thing that I can give them at this midpoint too, is, is my time and accessibility to me. And, uh, and I do that to everyone in the organization, not just my leadership team, not just people with a VP title plus. Um, it's people throughout the organization, uh, have full access to, to me and to my time and to my, to my calendar. Wow. That's awesome. And that makes sense now why you have back-to-backs, right? Cause you got a big team and you're always <laughs> yes, accessible. Exactly. Um, exactly. Hey, one thing that jumped out that you said was, uh, to remove silos and intentionally, you know, do joint planning sessions, joint celebration sessions. Who would you say, like either at Everbridge or at F5 or Microsoft, but who have emerged as like some of some of your unlikely allies that, you know, like teams or individuals that you didn't expect really to be that useful or involved in the digital transformation that emerged and were just like, you know, clutch players? Yeah, I think it's it's been I, I would say it's been in each of them. And um interestingly enough. The, a lot of the technology vendors that we have worked with, that I've worked with throughout my career, um, you know, you're not just working with the company, you're working a lot with the individuals there. And yeah. I've found that individuals at those tech companies that have lived with me at multiple, you know, stages along the journey and multiple lives here, um, you know, they continue to be fantastic mentors uh, fantastic go-tos across, you know, what's happening in the industry or other CMOs feeling this way, because they have a lot of 
connections and they have a lot of contacts and they have a lot of relationships. And so they're really good ways for me to learn about what's happening. Now, I'm not just giving an ad right now for all of the MarTech companies out there, but yeah. um, I have found that uh, there have been very specific individuals, whether they've been consultants that we've worked with over several years, you know, vendors that we've worked with or suppliers um, that I've worked with have have turned into, you know, long-term industry friendships and mentorships, um, you know, both ways, uh, by the way, um, that, um, that I never would have, would have guessed. And some of the people I rely on today are, you know, are, are some of those people to, to navigate, you know, some of the challenges that we, we deal with. The second awesome. would be just you know, when you move from role to role through your career, and it's a long career, and long, all of us or most of us have been at multiple companies or multiple um, jobs throughout, is um, you know leverage those relationships that you make along your journey as well. So yeah, it's really easy to walk out of a company and turn your back on all of those individuals um, and go only focus on what's what's ahead. But a lot of those people also have these unique journeys, and they're learning things, and so. I tend to maintain a, a good, healthy network of um, individuals at all levels, um, you know, whether, you know, I've got a couple of folks that I still mentor that are, you know, just out of college still from, from previous roles. So they're early in career. I've got mentors that, that mentor me and um, that, uh, that have been previous managers, you know, previous, um, you know, partners, team members, et cetera, that, um, uh, that I keep in touch with. So it's a lot of those industry contacts. I never would have thought sitting here, you know, 20, 25 years in the industry that I would have the network and the people in my corner uh, that I can go to when things get, things get hard. And that's been a real, real blessing for me personally and professionally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great advice is to really tap into your vendor networks because you're right. I mean, we like, we are a vendor. I mean, we're in the agency category, but, um, we see like across 65, 70 different clients at a time, you know, all of the different things happening. And we do have clients that, you know, they'll call me up personally and be like, Hey, you know, let's talk about this. And I'm always happy to help them. And we don't even like, I don't charge them extra. I don't even think about right. charging them extra. I'm ha always happy to take that call. Um, but I'm surprised that, you know, a lot of clients actually don't even really, you know, attempt to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real, it's a real, um, I mean, it's a real obvious one, you know, but, um, but a lot of people don't invest the time because it does take time. Yeah. Um, and when you've got a back-to-back -back calendar thing we mentioned, right. uh, yeah. it can get difficult to spend the time to step back and look around, you know, left to right to, uh, to see what others are doing and, uh, to invest, to invest in them too, frankly. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about Everbridge. Yeah. I know you, ha I know you uh, are relatively new there still, I think still in your first year. Um, but we're going to do kind of like a past, present, future sort of an exercise. But in the past, um, tell us some win stories, brag a little bit about your team or something that you're proud of, something that you've achieved. Uh, let's yeah. start on a high note. For sure. For sure. Yes. And I'm coming up on my, uh, my first year here. By the time this thing publishes, uh, I will probably be sitting on my one year uh, with Everbridge. Um, you know, I came in to help the company drive and, and transform through its next phase of growth. And that was really uh, why I joined uh, the company, not only for the culture, not only for 
you know, the people and, but the mission of how do we enable, you know, our customers, um, and our, our mission is keeping people safe and organizations running. So how do we enable our customers to remain resilient, um, for during and after a critical event happens, whether that's a weather related event. And we see a lot of those happening in our world, uh, today, whether yeah. it's a, you know, people related events, et cetera, you know, how could I come and help usher this, uh, this 20 year old company into its next phase of growth? And so that's ultimately why I join in the mission that I'm on here with, with my team. As part of that, in the first six months, when we came in and we started talking about what does Everbridge mean and celebrate, you can only get to celebrate a 20 year anniversary one time as well. And we yeah. use that as an opportunity to talk to a lot of our customers. What impact is Everbridge having on your business? We talked to a lot of employees. What has Everbridge meant to you? And tell us about the customer stories and all these great customer stories, um, you know, of, of impact and resilience that, that I love to hear not only from our employees, but also from our customers. It's really, uh, it's a real blessing when you get in the room with them and hear the way that our uh, solutions are impacting their, their businesses, their organizations, their people. And so we wanted to bring that through in the brand. And uh, we felt like this was an opportunity for us to think about, is our brand uh, representing the impact that we're making on our, our customers and, yeah. and future customers? And so uh, we took a, took a step. We went on actually, we went on the listening tour um, and we spent several months actually going through uh, their stories, hearing about their stories. And, and, um, we didn't feel like the mission, um, the messaging or the brand was really reflecting what we were hearing from our customers. And so we took this yeah. as an opportunity to, uh, to reimagine the brand. And so you'll see that we, we, our mission of, of keeping people safe and organizations running. We renewed that mission. So we, you know, doubled down on investing in our, in our mission as a company. And we reinforced with a lot of clarity that we added to, um, to our messaging on what the value is that Everbridge provides. And uh, we did that not just in messaging and positioning statements, but we did that in the way that we communicated and the way that we engaged our customers as well, whether that be digitally and establishing new digital motions that we would engage with our customers, um, new motions that we would engage with them in person too, because we were just coming out of COVID and now we had to reimagine what those in-person engagements and experiences look like. And then we had to do that with our employees um, as well. Yeah. And so as well as, you know, you've always got a publicly traded company, you got investors and analysts, et cetera, that you've also got to, you know, keep top of mind as you're, as you're doing these things uh, as well. And so we ultimately reinforced um, not only the, the mission, the messaging, but we reinforced and rebuilt the, the brand. And so we changed our color scheme. Uh, we had been kind of this orange, red, and we changed to more of a blue. We call it Everbridge True Blue, um, more of a blue tone because it really uh, helped to reinforce the, um, the outcomes that we were providing to our customers. We felt like the yeah. red was more emphasizing the critical events. And we, um, we wanted to emphasize the outcome uh, that we provided. We also changed our logo and our you know, font and logo type a lot. And um, now our business and our brand is built around uh, what we call the resilience curve. And so it almost looks like a little curve check, uh, but that curve represents before, during, and after a critical event where our customers, 
that use our solutions, um, you know, respond, you know, mitigate, respond to, and recover from events in a much better place than where they, where they began. And so, um, that felt awesome. really true to our message. And so now every time you see our, our brand, it truly is a reflection of, uh, of the, um, and the benefit and the outcomes that we provide to our customers. Yeah. The now, site I know looks great. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been, you know, a real, um, you know, uh, tour of journey of love here to go and, and do that and get to know our customers and, uh, and spend so much time with our employees. And we launched this back in March on the NASDAQ, which was also a really spectacular moment, uh, for the company. And, you know, I know that, um, you know, this is the revenue driven marketer CMO podcast. And so, uh, you know, along that way, it wasn't just establishing the brand, but I'm really proud of the work that the team has done to kind of organize itself around our goals, uh, this year. And so enabling us to, um, you know, put our resources, our team structure around where we wanted to go, uh, in the future, um, was really important. And when you do that, you know, you start to look at things like, um, you know, organizational efficiencies, better alignment, uh, better systems, tools, and processes. And so we've moved to move the needle very, very far in all of these places and really yeah. improving our operating structure, frankly, our leadership framework that's enabled us to have tremendous results, uh, at the top and mid and even down funnel, uh, as well. And ultimately, you know, engage better with our customers by providing them a much better uh, experience. And so, um, you know, we've seen um, significant increases and in enhancements in engagement rates and uh, in, in the overall experience we're providing our yeah. customers. And we're doing so uh, for much less uh, cost than what we were previously doing that. So that's awesome. Uh, we that's some real man. And, uh, yeah. you know, the Chris of like two or three years ago, I would be like rolling my eyes, you know, at brand. I had a guest on one time who is a friend and, you know, a mentor to some extent called uh, Drew Nicer from Renegade, who really convinced me about the the revenue impact that brand can have. And it sounds like you guys did it right, you know, because the like, it's not just the logo, like it's, you brought that mission front and center, you know, like he taught me that, you know, a rebrand or a brand uh, refresh is not just the color scheme and the logos, but it's everything else that happens to really align the org, to align everybody from, you know, the front lines of customer service to the sales team, to the marketing org, and even the, the financials and just change the way that, that you operate. So it's really kind of like a cultural shift more so than anything. And we all know that yeah. culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Yeah, abso absolutely. And it's, you know, it's been uh, Samantha Brown, who's been driving, and her team, who's been driving all of this great brand work for us in partnership with uh, Jeff Young, who runs our comms and PR team. They've done a, an amazing job in telling our story through through words and and images. And then, yeah. you know, I've got Joey Pinnock, who runs our field organization, and Darren Audi, who runs our uh, global demand center, who have helped us to establish these digital and global motions. And then lastly, we've got uh, Krista Ankri, um, who has uh, really helped to establish this partner motion for all of these uh, components. This is a little shout out for the team. Partner components and the, build the established uh, established relationships with our um, analyst community as well. So all of these forces are working together and pushing uh, this forward. Again, it's not it's not me. It's a lot of the 
these individuals and their amazing teams that are helping us to push forward. That's awesome. Golf clap. <laughs> Brilliant. Exactly. Cool. Well, let's talk about current. Uh, I know you guys are kicking ass and taking names, but I'm sure it's not all wine and roses. Yeah. What uh, What are some of your biggest challenges? What's keeping you up at night? Yeah, you know, I um, yeah, I, you know, I pride myself on just being being a leader that's there for for the team, being a leader that's looking around the corner, and I think the one thing that always um, I'm always thinking about is is how how can we continue to be prepared for the un, unknowable crisis that may that may occur? You know, as the protector of the brand, as the person who's the protector of the customer. You know, I always uh, feel some le- level of anxiety around the unknown, whether that be a customer issue or competitive issue, technology issue. And, and these are the things that, um, you know, have, have constantly, um, you know, been, been top of mind for me. What we've done here at, at Everbridge to, to help with that, and the team feels, feels very similarly, is we've actually taken a very similar approach to how we think about these events as our we you know encourage and engage with our customers. So we've we've started to build processes inside of our organization to you know give give our customers access to enable ourselves and our marketing teams, our sales teams to respond to and recover from these things that that may happen inside of our organization. We've taken a lot of steps to do that. In some instances, we're using our own technology. Uh, to do that. But, um, you know, I think as a leader and someone that sits at the executive leadership team level, we've got to continue to keep ourselves on top of, on top of these things and be prepared for whatever may come our way. And so that one's, you know, always top of mind. Um, yeah. They mentioned the, the second one, um, a little earlier, and that's just in this geographically distributed world. Uh, where people are working from home, they're working remote, and we've got offices al- around the world, um, but not everyone works in an office. You know, I myself work work from home largely when I'm not traveling, and uh, you know, it's keeping people engaged, ensuring that the team feels engaged, aligned, they understand what's next. Uh, we're you know we're here for them when they need us. Um, these are really important things that are really hard to do. And so, you know, as I talked about over-communicating before, that's really to help alleviate even some of my own tensions internally around, you know, making sure people are feeling engaged, making sure they're feeling heard. And frankly, that I'm hearing, um, you know, what's actually happening inside of the organization. If you're sitting at 30,000 yeah. feet, you're going to miss a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so keeping them engaged, making sure they're telling us when things are going great or when things aren't going great. That's, that's kind of the second one. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And, uh, and I loved your, your, uh, every two weeks, like video, uh, pod. I think that's great. We had a, a CMO on recently who basically spent almost all of their time talking with customers mm. and they would write a little newsletter weekly Love of that. All, you know all the insights that they heard from their customers Love that. um do you have any other routines or rituals that you use kind of like to maintain that uh that alignment and to help everybody feel included yeah it's that plus right so it's it's all of those um all of those things i i'm not um uh also, I'm, I'm kind of often 
looking at opportunities to write those individual notes to to, to people as well, um, yeah. no matter what their their role is. And so I do encourage my leadership team to highlight when um, individual performances are, you know, the people are doing things correctly. And so it takes virtually no effort from me to send someone, you know, a real attaboy or attagirl, uh, you know, uh, in Slack and say, hey, just wanted to thank you for your dedication and the hard work that you've done on X, Y, and Z. We really appreciate you're here and the, and, and the job you're doing. And you're celebrating not only collaboration and lifting others up, you know, but those leadership opportunities that they're taking and that impact they're making. And that what that does is it reinforces this culture around performance as well that we ultimately want to drive. And so you know, you don't miss an opportunity to give someone a pat on the back. And uh, you also don't miss an opportunity, frankly, to um, to recognize these 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 really small wins and and listen where people are, are coming to you. And so, yeah, they mentioned that, earlier, giving them time is 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 key. That really means a lot. I think I think the, you know, short personal notes of gratitude and appreciation and recognition mean a lot to everybody, but there's a certain cohort of people where that's their, that's their work love language, you know, like verbal appreciation. And for, so for some people that means even more than, you know, a raise potentially. Absolutely. And I, you know, I try to end every one-on-one with the team or even, you know, business partners or individuals and, you know, whether that's people on the ELT or people that are individual contributors in my organization or elsewhere in the, in the org and just ask them, you know, what can I do for you? Right. Yeah. And, uh, so often, you know, people are, are looking to what can I do for the executive? And, and I think they appreciate when you ask them, what can I do for you? And that's when a lot of the real, uh, trust is built, um, that I talked about earlier. That's when a lot of the authentic authenticity which is kind of an overused word, but um, it's built is when you're asking them, hey, I know you're an individual contributor, but what can I do for you? Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Man. Um, so let's go forward. Let's let's yeah. look into the future. Uh, what is on the agenda? What are you guys investing in? What are you kind of budgeting for for next year? What are there any new channels you're looking at? Like what's what's on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, we're constantly looking at the go-to-market and, um, you know, we're, you know, always, always looking at places where we can optimize our investment, return on marketing investment. Romy is the key metric that the team is, is constantly looking at. And so I would say we're, you know, constantly enabling the team to make better data-driven decisions. That's, that's always top of mind for me and for, for the team. The second would be, um, you know, how do you, um, I continue to create better experiences for our customers. I know I've mentioned that a couple of times, but experience drives everything, especially when you're looking at, you know, lead funnels, when you're looking at, um, our company versus our, versus our competitors. And we do have competitors out there. Um, and ultimately reducing friction for our customers, our sellers and marketers to, um, to have the engagements that they want to, um, with the team. And then the third is, um, and this is, this is always top of mind for me and, and part of our future as well is how do I continue to attract top talent? You know, it's, uh, it's really important that we are, you know, bringing individuals in that can help give us a couple of steps forward 
um, yeah. and that kind of leapfrog um, that uh, you sometimes won't find if you just keep at it at the same pace. And so how do we bring in the best of the best to help us yeah. make better informed decisions, you know, whether that's, you know, bringing in excellent leaders, whether that's bringing in excellent domain experts, um, or yeah. just people that are going to expand and accelerate the culture that we have um, on the team. Yeah. And then the last piece would just be um, always testing and thinking about new technologies and how they can also, you know, help us do that leapfrog, right? It's not just individuals and people that are going to help us leapfrog. We're looking at, you know, AI and how can that help us make a, make a big move and potentially leapfrog things. And I know that's probably the most overused statement uh, in the industry right now, but, but it's true. It's, uh, you know, how do I eliminate some of the mundane administrative tasks that my, that my team has to go and do, uh, and enable that in using technology and AI to, um, to do those things for them on our behalf. And then enabling my team to think more creatively and spend more time thinking about how to drive better engagement with our customers. This is, um, this is, this is key. This is how you start to get those productivity wins that are going to enable us to take those two steps forward. Like I mentioned. Yeah. And it is heavily used, right? We're in that, in that wave, arguably the, the peak yeah. of the, the wave, sure. but it's, you have to think about that and use the way that you said it is smart and correct is like, how do we use AI for our particular workflows? And like, what are our opportunities? Right. Um, our CTO is like deep, deep down that rabbit hole. Um, he showed me this video. It's like a two minute video, uh, for one of our clients who's in a totally different space in the solar space. Um, but it was pretty good. And I was like, Hey, that's a good video. He goes, dude, uh, I made that with one fifth with one prompt. It was <laughs> absolutely it's unbelievable words, 15 words in this one prompt output, a two minute, like pretty good usable video. It's, it's crazy. The opportunity. It really is unbelievable. And it's, and it's going in and, and putting that first and thinking about that first and saying, how do we, how do we use AI to solve this problem for us or help us to do this task yeah. versus what's that? What is our task? Oh, maybe we should consider using AI. It's like, how do you try to put AI first in the thought process? Uh, because then it starts to change the way you look at those, those problems, how you can go solve them. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been amazing. Uh, I could talk to you for hours. You're very impressive Likewise. marketer, uh, very impressive leader. I've learned a lot here today. Awesome. Um, so thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, I'm sure that everybody listening also uh, has enjoyed this. And I think t our timing is good for the lightning round. <laughs> right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ready. Here we go. Question number one. If you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm amazed by the customer stories and these customer moments that our products deliver. And um, I wish there was a way to, to harness that outside of G2 Crowd and review sites and outside of, you know, just customer testimonials. Our solutions have a 358% ROI, according to Forrester. Uh, that they provide and how we can go and capture that uh, in these moments of you know brilliance that our solutions provide, these moments of 
uh, resilience that our solutions can provide. I wish there was a tool or technology to go and do that better. So you would make that as your I'd make that. Yeah. That's a good one. Awesome. Cool. Number two is top three books or authors or influencers that have made an impact in your career. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you four if that's okay. Um, sure. You know, the, the first uh, you have to say is, is the Bible and I read it every day and it's changed who I am as a leader. It's changed who I am as a person. And I think there's a lot of greatness uh, there that each of us can take from from that. And so that's kind of the first one. Awesome. The second one is a, is a book called Lead Like It Matters. And that's by a guy named Craig Groeschel. He also has a leadership podcast. It's been highly influential for me as a, as a leader and to think about leadership problems and challenges. Uh, the third would be uh, Measure What Matters by uh, John Doerr. That one is fantastic. Um, it's con- I've been using the concept of OKRs for many years now. And uh, leaning on these concepts of just driving this data-driven culture through OKRs makes it achievable. It makes it, you know, I talked about everyday counts. These, these OKRs enable you to really reinforce everyday counts as we move toward our goals and keeping people aligned. And, and, um, and then the last, so I'll get, if I can have four, uh, the, the first 90 days. So a uh, book by a guy named uh, Michael Watkins and, uh, I've used this multiple iterations through my career, whether I was starting a new role, a new job at a new company, or even going into a new pro- uh, project, a big, big project. It is such a great blueprint for how to think about that, that task that you have to do, that, um, that hurdle that you have to get over in the first 90 days. It's really, really a great, a great um, a blueprint, I'll call it, for how to be successful. Oh, we love that. And uh, question number three is, how do you avoid burnout and how do you help your team to do the same? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll start with how do you get, help the team? I think you've got to give the team space, right? And uh, the team, your individuals and the team are living lives like you are and things happen in life, giving them space to, uh, to restore, renew, um, and come to work and, and be amazing, um, I think is, is really important. So giving people space and letting people um, be humans inside of your organization is a first to helping the team avoid burnout. And they still will, will burn out at times, but all of the things that I talked about earlier can also help burn out or tying them to, you know, uh, impact, tying their jobs to impact, helping to remove administrative tasks, et cetera. These are, these are key for the, for the team. Love for me that. personally, um, you know, it's time with family. Um, I, you know, I love vacations. I wish I actually, actually, I could use a vacation these days, but, uh, but I don't really need those long, you know, week long, two weeks in Hawaii again, although that sounds really, really amazing saying it. Um, I kind of need time in these little spurts, right? And so it's yeah. like kid sports, you know, sitting on the, in the bleachers on a baseball game. These are the things that, you know, going on adventures with the family in time with the family. These are the things that restore me time with friends you know, kind of taking things one day at a time as well. And we've got all of these insurmountable problems and challenges that we face across our personal lives and our business. And, you know, knowing that I don't have to solve it today, but I can, I can just take steps forward to that, um, you know, and chip away at, at where I'm trying to go is, is, is really a good mindset for me to continue to con- compartmentalize that the big challenges as, as they come. Yeah. And then, you know, lastly, for me, it's, you know, it's about, you know, when I have free time and when I can, 
you know, it's, it's giving back. And, you know, I sit on the board of an organization. We have a, a Haiti, uh, orphanage in Jacmel, Haiti. So we have a school for 70 kids and we've got orphanages there. And it's been, you know, a real blessing for me and for my life. And then, you know, lastly, teaching at Texas A&M um, is a way for me to give back. And so I'm sharing a lot of these things that you and I have talked about today and a lot of, um, you know, details on how they learn about driving a go-to-market strategy and messaging and positioning and building demand gen plans, giving them these real world insights to these students that I have in my class at Texas A&M has been really uh, incredible way for me to uh, restore and renew uh, myself. So that, that component of giving back is key uh, for me as well. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, David. You are a, a 360 degree all around badass uh, <laughs> as a human and as a leader and a marketer. Um, I'm sure everybody loved this as much as I did. And uh, on that note, for everybody listening, if you learned something here today, or if you laughed a little bit, tell a friend about us or drop us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast store. David, uh, as we wrap up here, for folks that are interested to learn more about you or your team or Everbridge, where would you direct them to? Everbridge.com to go and learn more about Everbridge. Uh, we have great sites and there's great ways to go engage with uh, with us there. Um, if you'd like to engage with me, I'm always happy to hear from people on LinkedIn. So um, my LinkedIn is just uh, David Alexander 425 whack. So you can you can find me there and um, you know always happy to get a note from people on on LinkedIn uh, as well. Cool. Well, thank you, David. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate the time today. Thank you. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was another awesome episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision. 